Merkel Media. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. If you want to hear more shows on a weekly basis, every Thursday we drop a members episode. Plus, you get access to the Tuesday show shows ad-free, and all the overtime segments as a member. So if you want to become a member, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button in the top right-hand corner, and become a member today. I got some things planned for members here down the pike that I think that you guys are really going to like, so stay tuned for that. And also, I just want to let everybody know that is a member right now. I just opened up an audiobook section on the website for you to listen to audiobooks of my choosing that I like, and I hope you guys enjoy too. I think these audiobooks are fantastic and they're there waiting for you to listen to. Most of them are dramatized, so it's not just somebody reading a book, but it's actually sound effects and it really keeps your attention. I fell in love with it and I hope you do too, right there on the confessionalspodcast.com under the membership section tab. All right, friends, listen, we have a great show planned for you today. Tartaria, Hollow Earth, Giants, what could be better than that? Oh, I'll tell you. We have Jeff joining us from Strangeology Podcast to talk about it all. And I just want to tell you guys, I found Jeff randomly. I was looking for something on, uh, I forget what topic it was, and I stumbled across his podcast. And I was like, this guy does a good job. I reached out to him. And he said he'd come on. And we talked about all these different types of topics today. Jeff has a very unique show where he focuses on strange history, paranormal, a lot of different types of topics. But he takes time, studies it, and then he does more monologue type episodes for his listeners. So it's more of him teaching people very much like Dan Carlin from Hardcore History. That's the very similar format you're getting with Strangeology Podcast, only it's more about strange topics. He does a fantastic job and I think he is going to blow up over the next few years. So please, 
Be one of the first people on board with him. Get in now. Don't miss any topics and enjoy the subject matter that he presents to you guys. And I hope you guys enjoy this show. So let's get to Jeff from Strangeology Podcast talking about Tartaria, Hollow Earth, Giants, and more. All right, today we got Jeff from Strangeology Podcast. Jeff, what's going on, my friend? Hey, Tony. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Man, I'm glad you're here. Listen, uh, I think I found your podcast randomly. I forget how it was, but I came across your podcast and it was like a Hollow Earth episode. And uh, I I was looking for for information on something and I just saw the hollow earth and I, I clicked on it for whatever reason. Maybe, maybe it was a rare situation where I actually read a description of an episode, not just a title. Uh, <laughs> but like I clicked on it and I remember listening to it and, and right off the bat, I was like, this guy has good audio quality and, and it's, it's a shame, but in today's world of podcasts and there's so many podcasts out there, it's still hard to find somebody or find these podcasts that uh, have good audio quality because it's like, I don't know, like people start podcasts, they don't realize that they need to worry about how the quality of their product is and you have really good audio quality. And uh, so that caught my ear right away. And I was like, cool. So I looked you up on Instagram and we started chatting and stuff. And I wanted to have you on the show, mainly because I wanted to hear your audio quality live in person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I uh, I come from a background in in music. So, you know, having a good sound is crucial to what I want to do and how I want to present myself to people. Um, you know, rocking up on stage for 20 plus years kind of, you know, makes you want to do that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little bit of a gearhead. You can probably see some guitars in the background yeah. and I've got a recording studio um, outside of this studio where my band rehearses and all that stuff. And we've got like all of our mics set up and everything to record practices and all that. So, you know, <laughs> you got to have, you got to have uh, a drive and a passion. And, you know, it's, um, you know, when you're first starting out with podcasting and stuff, I don't think my my audio was uh, the greatest with my first few episodes, but over over time, I've I've tweaked it, and I'm still tweaking it for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the thing. I mean, like uh, I've mentioned this several times on my show. Like I do the Reloaded Mondays where I play an older episode, and I cringe every time because I'm like, oh, you know. In that moment, I thought I had good audio quality, but I also knew in that moment there were I was being honest with myself, and there was a lot of things that uh, I was like, this could be better. I just don't know how to do it yet but I got to figure it out. And so I just kept on building. And I was just telling you before we started recording that literally like two weeks ago, I started doing some new things with the audio that I don't even think people are going to notice. Like, I don't even think people are going to care or even notice the difference. In fact, me saying this right now is they're like, oh, he changed something. Yeah, I changed actually several things, but I know it's there. It's making my life easier on this end. <laughs> and on top of it, it actually sounds better. Whether people realize it or not, I'm the one analyzing it every week, you know? <laughs> all that behind the scenes stuff that people people don't realize. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I know, I know. But uh, listen, man, uh, before we get into the topics of the day, because we're gonna we're gonna kind of jump around a little bit on different topics. Uh, I found you on Hollow Earth, so if we hit 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 all, man, man, I'm just about to. I almost dropped my gun off the side of my desk here. To, if I get shot in the leg by accident, just know it's an accident. So, <laughs> all right, we'll have. <laughs> but hopefully that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, 
So, I mean, if, if we get to Hollow Earth, cool and stuff, but like you had mentioned that you were going to be, that you uh, recently did a, an episode on Mud Flood and Tartaria. Uh, Giants is something we might hit on. And then Younger Dryas, is that what it was? Younger Dryas. Yeah. So like yeah. different topics and stuff we'll, we'll kind of hit on today and see where things go. But before we get into that stuff, I want to kind of hand it over to you. I want people to to know where they can find your podcast, but also the all the other stuff you're doing because I know that you do the graphic design for your podcast for a reason. You have your own business. Is the things that you do for your business things that the people would actually enjoy maybe checking out in a store somewhere? So let us know all about it. Yeah, sure. So uh, Strangeology um, kind of it started in 2020 back uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, I just kind of started it as an Instagram blog. And it kind of has morphed into this whole animal of uh, podcasting. Um, there's a merch shop that goes along with it. I've got a YouTube channel, um, a Patreon. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's kind of all over the place. And uh, I grew up um, much like I'm sure a lot of you out there, uh, loving the strange and unexplained. Um, I, I was that kid that would go to the school library growing up and, and I'd pick up the Bigfoot and UFO books. Uh, so that's always just been something that's uh, been a, a, a very big interest of mine over the years. And uh, I decided to kind of turn it into a thing where I wanted to talk about cryptids, uh, the paranormal, UFOs, aliens, uh, ancient history, forbidden knowledge, uh, alternative history type of stuff like what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, it's just, uh, it's super fun. And uh, you can find me on Instagram. And YouTube, like I said, um, strange.ology is the Instagram handle. Um, and then strangeology podcast over on YouTube. I also have a Twitter, but I don't really like Twitter. So, <laughs> and I barely tweet. I don't tweet. I <laughs> uh, and I'm on Facebook as well. And, um, and uh, TikTok too, which is TikTok's a whole weird thing, but you know. <laughs> yeah, tell me, don't get me started on TikTok. I, yeah, I, yeah. I recently <laughs> just moved off TikTok because of certain reasons, but anyways, that's another yeah, that's for another sure. Story <laughs> for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've got a merch shop too, um, strangeology.etsy.com. I do a lot, all my own designs. Um, professionally, I was a graphic designer for like 13, 14 years, um, and then uh, switched to doing my own thing, really. Occasionally, I still freelance, but Strangeology is kind of like my full-time thing now, essentially. Um, I do uh, giveaways every once in a while um, over on Instagram. Uh, usually when I do new merch, like uh, I'm wearing one of my pieces right now, Chicago Mothman. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, yeah, yeah. Recently, I did a Flatwoods Monster design, and it's actually like Flatwoods Monster. Yesterday and today, uh, Flatwoods and Frametown Monster Days. Uh, if you're familiar with uh, West Virginia folklore and cryptozoology and that kind of stuff, um, and yeah, so that's kind of like what I do. And uh, just stoked to be here to chat about some weird stuff. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, yeah. I appreciate you being here. And I just want to let you know, uh, and really, that I don't need to, but I'm going to because it's going to bother me. Um, I forgot to hit record on Riverside here. So we're just recording straight to my software, which is why I run backups, like I told you before. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. So uh, people, when you said about the T-shirt, I was like, oh, yeah, we got that on video. I was like, wait a second. I'm not recording video. So uh, nope, just audio. <laughs> uh, but, there you go. 
But I mean, when you were talking about the social medias and stuff, it, it was funny because uh, you said that you hate Twitter. And, and I'm not a huge fan of Twitter. I barely use it. We got like 4,000 followers on there. And it's like a ghost town half the time. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I, in a similar vein, I hate YouTube uh, and, and for many reasons. But really, I hate doing video. There's a reason why I'm a podcaster. And I'm, I'm trying to slowly reach into video uh, because I know it's, a, it, it's, it's needed. But I also... I'm really stretched on time and you know, video is like a whole other animal, bigger files, more editing process, all that stuff. And um, people on YouTube that they subscribe to the YouTube channel. We have like over 30,000 subscribers on YouTube and I posted a video like last week or two weeks ago and they're like, uh, they'll say things like, man, you haven't uploaded a show in a long time. I was wondering if you stopped the show. I'm like, I do, I do a show every week. You just gotta, I, I tell you, I don't know how many times I gotta tell you guys, I'm not a YouTuber. I'm a podcaster that does YouTube whenever I feel like it. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the 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 audiences for different social medias are are definitely segmented for sure. Yeah, people who follow me on TikTok have no idea that I have a podcast and an Instagram and a YouTube channel as well, and vice versa for people who follow me on my YouTube channel. So you kind of have to do that gentle reminder every once in a while, and you know, yeah. it's it's a whole thing. <laughs> oh, it's a it's a total whole thing, and uh, it is what it is. I, I try whenever I put up a YouTube video to have like a buffer video that's just like, "Hey guys, if you're only coming to YouTube, stop doing that because you're missing a lot of shows," you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and some people are like, "Well, why don't you just upload to YouTube?" It's like because it's not that easy. Like like seriously, if like I, I one of the things that my brother's gonna do because uh, my brother's moving down to Tennessee and he's kind of start helping with the company and everything. One of the things that we're going to we're thinking about doing is starting a, a a daily or weekly vlog where like part of his job is to film the day the inter interactions and everything that we do and hopefully through doing that people see oh crap it's not just hit record and post <laughs> you know yeah yeah it's, for a, sure. it's a whole thing but um let's get into some of these topics of the day now i know uh, i think you said was it the most recent episode you did uh was the mud flood tartaria stuff yeah, so um, my my most recent episode. I'm not sure when this is airing, but um, you know, week of September 13th uh, is when the episode's dropping. Um, yeah, so Tartaria and the mud flood. It's um, this crazy conspiracy theory. Uh, this idea that showed up in the last few years. Um, that's kind of. It's all about this lost. Uh, civilization that was covered up um, only in the 1800s. So it's kind of in not all that far removed from living memory, which is, it's really interesting. And I, I first started hearing about this theory back in like 2021. So like last year. So it's, it's fairly new to the scene as, as far as these historical conspiracies go. I think it first started trending on Google in like 2016, 2017, I think. Um, and there's all these different, these different ideas that go along with it that I've, that I've found throughout my research. And, uh, you know, my episode kind of covers the, the surface level of each of the, the, the facets of this theory. And it's, it's funny. There's, there's, um, there's not there. There is a book that's about uh, the Tartarian Empire. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get a hold of it on time before I like did my episode. So, a lot of it was like 
going through different message boards and, and stuff like that to kind of piece together <laughs> the whole picture. Um, and it's a pretty complex and expansive picture. Um, so yeah, I, uh, what, what can we first talk about? Here? So, so yeah, let, let, let me just lay the foundation here uh, because I don't think we did this earlier as far as your show goes. Uh, you do interviews, but you also do what I call monologue epi- episodes where it's just you and it's more of an educational, here's some, a topic that we're digging into this week and this is what I know about it. Right. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And so, that, so this episode was one of those, right? It, it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's probably the bulk of my show, actually. Interviews are kind of spliced in between a few of my monologue research episodes. Um, so yeah, uh, it's this is uh, it's it's a fascinating topic for sure uh, for people who are into alternative history theories and and cover-ups and that kind of thing. Uh, so one of the the first uh, pieces of evidence that people point to for this theory is something called a star fort. Um, they're also known as bastion forts, which uh, according to written history kind of started showing up around the 16th and 17th century in Europe. And these structures are these very complex forts. Some of them are are like a five-pointed star shape. They go up to six, seven, eight points uh, that have all these kind of like defensive structures. There's uh, larger places that are like cities that have these auxiliary um, compounds attached to them, um, these angular canals and waterways and moats that just kind of seem out of place for all of the other kind of architecture at the time. So people who you know subscribe to this whole theory, uh, aside from Tartaria, they call it the star civil- civilization. And it's... Um, Somebody took a lot of time and effort to go onto Google Earth and find thousands of these things all over Europe, all over Asia, Africa, even North America and South America. So the idea is that, uh, you know, these structures may have been built by this same global civilization that once was on the planet. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. I always love looking at uh, Google Earth and uh, seeing if there's like old weird structures that you can find. And some of these star forts that people find, especially the ones in, in Russia, are kind of, you can just see, barely see the foundation of them. And that's kind of like the whole Tartarian Empire idea started with people looking at these old world maps that show this this uh, supposed country, this empire that took over much of the landmass of Asia. It butted up to like the Indian Empire, like the Mughal Empire, uh, China, as well as uh, Persia and Eastern Europe. And um, people started thinking like, well, why is this whole area it was labeled on the map Tartaria, which, according to the official explanation, basically means like 
uncharted, unexplored wild lands. And if you know your history, you know that the Mongolian Empire kind of rose out of the steppes of Asia with Genghis Khan and then the further kingdoms and stuff. So there's an idea that like perhaps this was actually uh, part of like a continuation of the Mongolian Empire and that these people, the, the, the Tartarians kind of started to get technologically advanced. They were able to harness free energy and they had this kind of utopia that eventually got destroyed by a cataclysm and was covered up by the powers that be. <laughs> so it's, wow. uh, yeah, it's, it's very interesting for sure. And, you know, there's, um, I could keep keep going on this if you want. <laughs> no, I mean, def, I mean, we're here to hear you talk about this stuff for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I want to ask you in your research on the topic. I'm looking at pictures here on on uh, not Google DuckDuckGo, and uh, we, I'm seeing a lot of like you said the five point stars. Has anybody mentioned about the Pentagon being a more modern version of that? That's a really interesting idea. Um, I haven't. F- run across anybody talking about that particular point but um of of course there are like certain um st- structures and um patterns within within cities around that do have some some interesting implications um for that kind of thing um the the, the Washington monument kind of makes me think more about tartaria uh, obelisks kind of are uh, a, a big thing, which ties into the whole free energy part of the theory. Um, back in the 1800s, the World's Fair uh, started back in like 1851 in London. And a lot of people point to the old World's Fairs as being this kind of um, point that was, they were used to kind of either cover up the remnants of the Tartarian civilization uh, or they were, they were using all these like massive structures and repurposing them and then demolishing them after like a lot of the old, old world's fairs were just, they were officially temporary buildings that got put up on like hundreds or thousands of acres in, in different major cities around the world, like Chicago in 1893. Three, I believe, uh, is one of the, like the big ones that people point to, and uh, this place was put together allegedly in like less than a year. And there's all these like massive buildings that were put up and then taken down, um, supposedly. So <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely you know it makes you wonder like how were they able to put all this stuff together this like horse and buggy society that didn't really have massive uh construction equipment like we do today and uh it's kind of a similar argument to like how were the pyramids built we still don't really know exactly um but how it ties into tartaria is that these buildings were constructed by the Tartarians and then either taken over or demolished to kind of cover everything up. And one of the uh, one of the big things that people tie together with identifying a building as being Tartarian is this building style called Bozar, which uh, 
rose out of the, the French Renaissance during uh, Napoleon III's reign in the mid-1800s. And there's also this style called Second Empire. And it's basically, it's very much inspired by Baroque architecture. And it's very ornate. There's a lot of domes. There's a lot of very tall, unusually tall doorways and um, cathedral ceilings which people kind of wonder, why were the doors so big? Who were these people that were building these buildings that were literally made for giants? Which is uh, another, <laughs> another branch you can, you, you can go off in this theory. It's definitely, it's a huge rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. It's- so, if you have any questions, stop me, because I could keep going. Well, it's that time of year again, and we got Halloween right around the corner. You're going to be hearing a lot of people this month talking about demons stealing your soul, haunted dolls acting up, and shadow figures standing at the edge of your bed at 3 a.m. Well, you guys also know I like promoting other people's podcasts that I find interesting, and let me tell you about Two Girls, One Ghost podcast hosted by Corinne and Sabrina. They've been doing this for quite some time, and I've been following them since I was driving truck. They are quality podcasts talking about all your favorite topics. If you like the confessionals and the paranormal conversation, you're going to enjoy the conversations they have over there at Two Girls, One Ghost podcast. They cover all types of haunted places, including the ones most personal to you, your homes, because it seems like their listeners are also haunted because a lot of people, when they listen to Two Girls, One Ghost podcast, claim that they have paranormal experiences themselves while listening to the show. Take your crack at the show. You can find it on any podcast playing app, Apple, Spotify, or your podcast playing app of choice. Check them out today during this spooky season. You mentioned about the World's Fairs, and uh, I don't know much about the World's Fair. I, I know it's been hosted through, throughout the world in different cities. And uh, Knoxville, Tennessee is a place where they had a World's Fair, from what I understand. Uh, this is something that I just recently learned uh, with, they have this very ugly tower in Knoxville, like an eyesore, why is that here kind of looking thing. And yeah. uh, apparently they're very proud of it around here because it's when the World's Fair came here and they they built it. And uh, And so you saying this stuff makes me wonder, if the World's Fair was a like a almost like a a cover story of of a bigger cover up, you know, like what is here in the the Knoxville area where I live that uh, was covered up? I, I'm very interested in that, and uh, I wonder if there's people out there that maybe know some like more ancient history of this area as to according to this theory why maybe the World's Fair would want to cover some things up. Now, is it that every location the world's fair went to had like according to this this theory uh is it that every place they went to was like a place they were working on covering up this old civilization yeah i think that's that's kind of the idea i mean they've been in in so many spots and the world's fair actually still happens today uh just i think on uh a less grand scale and usually like there were themes behind each of the world's fairs like the first couple were about kind of like the industrialization of the Western world. And then they go on to like today they have like planning the future of mankind type of thing. <laughs> um, so 
Yeah, it's um, you know, like the eighteen ninety three World's Fair. They they were showcasing off a lot of like electricity. This was the time of Thomas Edison and, and Nikola Tesla, AC versus DC power, and that kind of thing, um, which makes people think that um, you know a lot of this old architecture that was built that's supposedly part of the Tartarian Empire. Um, you can look at pictures of all these old buildings that have spires and like domed tops like you see in Russia, and they have these long um, metallic spires on top of them, which you know you think that's probably just a lightning rod, but the the idea with this theory is that these towers and uh, with with their little antennas were actually uh, somehow free energy devices that were drawing um, drawing power from the ether of the world, uh, kind of like a, a zero point energy type of idea. Like you, you get your power from the vacuum. And this was obviously before the uh, discovery and utilization of fossil fuels and the fossil fuel industry, all the uh, the oil barons and oil tycoons the Rockefellers of the world and that kind of thing. So um, this, this society was global and they had buildings everywhere, <laughs> cities and all that with their star forts and their, their free energy uh, devices and weird technology. Sometimes if you look at pictures, uh, you, you type in, like Tartarian inventions and stuff. There's some weird things that come up, like the mono wheel, uh, which is a funny, <laughs> a funny invention that was made in like the 1920s. But um, South Park did an episode kind of making fun of them. <laughs> it's a little graphic, so I won't mention the the, the, that, well, the whole details. That's but... how, that's how you know it's a legit topic to talk about with South when it makes it to South Park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. But um, you mentioned, um, so Knoxville. Um, so in, uh, in Tennessee, there's, uh, uh, in Chattanooga, there's um, an interesting part that, that ties in with, so how Tartaria ended was um, the mud flood, which was this global cataclysm that, uh, that sank all sorts of buildings all over the world uh, or you know, flooded cities and buried them up to an, an entire building story under mud and earth. And if you, if you ever walk around in uh, cities that have been around for a couple hundred years, you might notice at the sidewalk level that there are uh, arched windowways, like right where your feet are, peeking out from the sidewalk. Have you ever noticed anything like that? No, but I don't usually notice a whole lot of anything. So, <laughs> well, next time you're walking around Knoxville, see if you can you can uh, spot any of these. So, the the idea is that this this mud flood something something happened that caused either like liquefaction of Earth, where buildings were built on, you know, not super stable soil, and we do have modern day uh, like proof of this happening in, in certain places in the world where entire like city blocks will go down a sinkhole or the the dirt and the soil beneath will just kind of because of like an earthquake or something like that will just like make the vibrations like so intense in the ground that 
a building will just like sink down 10, 12 feet. <laughs> and uh, so that's kind of like the idea of of the mud flood. And whatever this event happened just kind of took the the Tartarian Empire out and the the other world powers at the time, say like the British Empire or you know something like that kind of came in and um, along with the uh, the fossil fuel industry, the the tycoons and the barons kind of wanted to cover up free energy and uh, get everyone dependent on their source of energy and then kind of repurpose old Tartarian technology and say it was theirs and that that's kind of like how we wound up to today, <laughs> essentially. Wow. Yeah. So it's this yeah. is like a recycling type of theme throughout history, right? This is something that like they're not saying Tartaria, this that's what they're calling this one, but they're are, are they saying that this happens like a cycle throughout history, like we always reset ourselves this way? You know, it's it's possible. Um it makes me think of you know, stuff like Atlantis, right? And it is an interesting concept for sure. The the cycle of time, the death and the rebirth of humanity going going through all these these cycles. And the more and more that archaeologists and paleontologists dig up the past, like the the calendar, the the clock on on humanity gets set further and further back into the past. Like Homo sapiens arose around 300,000 years ago. And those people back then were just as smart, just as capable as we are. So why did it take 300,000 years for them to develop ag agriculture and civilization, the written word and technology? Who's to say there wasn't something that happened 10, 20, 30,000 years ago? There was a recent story that uh, there were some mastodon bones found in, in California that were carbon dated to, I think, about 130,000 years ago that had pretty strong evidence that they were attacked and uh, killed off by a tribe of um, archaic humans. Whether or not they're Homo sapiens or a different uh, species of human is is unclear, but you know they had like spear marks on the bones. Like that doesn't really happen naturally, right? <laughs> yeah. So you know it is it is possible that there could be a, a some kind of greater cycle going on. Um, kind of makes me think of Battlestar Galactica a little bit on my nerd side, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you: uh, these people that have this theory with Tartaria. Uh, and they say the 1800s, you said, is when this like supposedly happened. Yeah, that's when uh, that's when it kind of got the at least the cover up started and kind of went for a couple generations up into the early 20th okay. century. Yeah. Okay, so gotcha. this. So yeah. So the the cover up started then. So are the, when when are they saying the actual event of the mud flood covering this civilization and resetting things happened? Are, are they, do they have a date for that? Some people think that it's it's in the late 1800s. So okay, so that <laughs> hold on, second pause. You're probably going to say what I'm thinking, but let me just say because it's going to drive me nuts if you don't. How is that possible as far as rewriting history? So 
if it happened in the late 1800s and we have a very rich history of like the constitution being signed in the 1700s, how is yeah. it, is, is, is that then underneath that, that idea then is it that the constitution is actually a fabricated document that isn't really true to begin with? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, throughout my research, it seems like, you know, America was settled by European colonists and like the, the start of America was happened as is. Uh, but there was this other world power, like America was still dealing with the British empire. There was, uh, was the Holy Roman empire was still around. I don't think they were, um, France was a global power with Napoleon, you know, in the 1800s. Uh, so it, it doesn't necessarily indicate or imply that, that, uh, you know, the, the United States history is, a, is fabricated. I think, you know, everything has happened just the way that we understand it. And, and ultimately, I, I, <laughs> I, I should have prefaced this, this whole thing with saying like, you know, the, the whole Tartarian empire mud flood idea is, is very fantastical. Um, but I think there is a lot of, you know, stuff that we have documentation and all that, that, that would show that that's probably not the case. Um, a lot of people point to this CIA document that was, um, from the 1950s that got, um, a freedom of information act request, declassified it in the late nineties that, um, was talking about how the Russians were covering up the Tartarians uh, and kind of getting them to um, assimilate into the Soviet Union and to, you know, accept communism and that kind of thing. So a lot of people will point to that as kind of like a smoking gun that like, okay, the Tartarians existed uh, and the Russians are the ones who are covering up <laughs> the whole thing. So, um, but the, the Tatars, the Tartarian people, um, you know, officially for, for history are Turkic speaking peoples that live in, in the Asian steppes, people who are probably descended from uh, the Mongolian empire and who just kind of assimilated into different cultures of, of the region. So um, I wanted to uh, circle back actually real quick. Um, talking about the United States as, as well. And, um, you know, being in, in Tennessee, I mentioned Chattanooga before. The whole mud flood idea, um, Chattanooga has this underground. I'm not sure if you've heard about it. Uh, the city used to flood a lot. Um, and there's like not, a, there's like, <laughs> so the city got kind of like moved up a level, I think. They built all these like uh, structures, to kind of keep the river from flooding the city streets and they kind of just like moved the road level up a, a story. So there's this whole underground that in Chattanooga that you can go to uh, and there's not really a lot of records of it ever being built. So that's kind of an interesting uh, thing that people sometimes point to. Um, so, I will say... Oh, sorry. Oh, hold on a second with that because you, Chattanooga is like an hour from me. So like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, from what you just described, I'm hearing you right. 
there is a reason for it that lies outside of Tartaria, but there's no record for it because it was built out of necessity, not out of plans. So like they they built up the city because it flooded a lot. So there wasn't like this grand plan to build a city like this. It was let's build on top of the city to prevent from everybody drowning. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like, you know, a more realistic approach. And maybe the people were just like, they were desperate because their city kept flooding all their stores and their commerce and roads were getting destroyed. So they're like, okay, let's do this and get it done. Um, yeah. Like, um, have you ever been to Seattle? No, I don't plan on it either. well i visited there a few years ago and uh, they also have an underground and back when seattle was uh first built um it was on like a salt flat like outside of the puget sound and the city would constantly flood and back then they (laughs) it's it's kind of a funny uh, funny little piece here of of the history is that they had these toilets, and they had to put the water tank like up on the ceiling almost because of the the water pressure from the Puget Sound and the groundwater would just cause the water to just bust the uh, the toilet tank like lid off <laughs> whenever it was like high tide. Uh, so they had to put them up on the ceiling, uh, but. Anyway, there's this whole underground that you can go to. You can take a guided tour. And it's just this really spooky, creepy, cool type of place to go to. Like you're 10, 15, 20 feet under the streets of Seattle. And there's all these old storefronts that are down there. And it's totally just like bricked off. And there's certain pathways that you can take um, for the whole tour. But you know the, the reason why that's there is because of all this flooding. Um, caused people, city officials to, you know, put the order in to raise the streets a level up. And there's photographic evidence and written documentation of it. Um, And there's also the fact that Seattle burned to the ground back in, I think, like 1898 or something like that. So it happened kind of (laughs) in conjunction. How convenient. convenient. (laughs) Yes. And the the fires, the fires are the cover-up of Tartaria, right? So, um, yeah. But... It's it's interesting. There's one a- anecdote that I read, um, and I, when I was doing my research for this, and I re- I read this like back when I first heard about the the whole theory was that when people were settling America and moving westward, they were actually finding cities like Chattanooga and like Denver and stuff like this that were already built and they had been abandoned by the Tartarians, which I don't think really has any kind of credibility behind it but you know it kind of makes you think of like uh all these these empty cities that uh property developers in china build that just like <laughs> they have, there's all these like big ghost cities <laughs> yeah <laughs> that there's nothing there so it's interesting yeah i i would say i i just heard this what you're talking about a little bit i remember hearing somebody talk about how uh, some of these cities have these extravagant buildings and that they didn't have the technology to build it or they built they, the time was just they didn't have the that they, they the, the amount of time they built it is shouldn't be possible um and then somebody i don't know who i just remember hearing it re- referenced city hall in philadelphia as one of those two intricate buildings to have built uh but as as far as i know coming from the philly area uh, it took them 40 years to build City Hall. Like it took them a long time. It's a it's a beautiful building. I've been in it, you know, with work and stuff. 
but like it took them a very long time to build it. And so I, I think sometimes like we take factual information and mix it with the the theory verse and also the um um the mythology of things as well. And we kind of create this this storyline. Uh, now I'm not saying Tartaria it doesn't have teeth. I'm not saying that because trust me, I want it to have teeth. Like this is <laughs> this, this is juicy. Uh, but at the same time, I I, I personally uh, like like I, I, when you were talking and stuff. I was sitting here thinking like, could this turn into like five ten years from now what the flat Earth thing is now, where it's just like it's so divisive. It's just like either if you're not Tartarian. It, it, then you're just a, a, an ignorant, choosing to be ignorant clown. And then people who aren't Tartarianists, they're like, these people are so stupid and just the yeah. divisiveness, you know? Yeah, it, it very well could be. And like, obviously the, you know, there's there's not really a lot like solid um, evidence in, in the archaeological record or the geological record for like a global mud flood. So, you know, it's 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 a really cool, interesting theory, but you know, I I think that um, I think that if there were a, a lost civilization out there, uh, I would subscribe more to the idea of something that was like pre ten thousand BC, like for example, something like an Atlantis. Um, yeah, I, I think there's there's definitely some interesting geological evidence and, and proof even out there of some kind of global cataclysm uh, like with the the younger Dryas um, thing which is uh, yeah. talked about a lot by like Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock and that kind of those kind of guys Okay, for our last sponsor, we're talking about one of my favorite sponsors of the show, which is HelloFresh, my favorite meal kit company. In fact, tonight I'm going home for another round of HelloFresh. Lindsay made some last week that was just out of this world. I don't even know what it was called. It was like white rice and chicken and some tasty, delicious cream stuff on the top and a bunch of other stuff around it. It was amazing. Like every time I eat HelloFresh, I'm knocked out of this world with the flavor that is impacting my mouth. And you can have that impact with very little cost to your wallet because HelloFresh is 25% cheaper than your favorite takeout place and less expensive than grocery shopping. And in today's world where everything's going up in price, gas is going through the roof, you want to save money where you can, HelloFresh does that for you because they send you the pre-portioned ingredients. You don't waste money on ingredients you didn't need. They give you exactly what you need for that incoming impactful flavor right to your mouth. Also, you get to save a lot of time with that money because they even came out with quicker recipes, which Lindsay's been taking advantage of. The HelloFresh quick and easy meals like their 20-minute recipes of low prep and easy cleanup options. These are recipes that I don't personally have experience making because I... I'm not allowed to make food in my house because I mess everything up. But Lindsay says that they are a lot faster than the ones they had before, which they advertised as fast. 
HelloFresh is a company that if you are looking to save money and time, they are the hub for you. Go to HelloFresh.com slash confessionals and use code confessional 65 for 65% off plus free shipping. That's go to HelloFresh.com slash confessional 65 and use code confessional 65 for 65% off plus free shipping. So not only are you saving 25% on average from your typical takeout, but you're also saving 65% off with this offer, go ahead and get your HelloFresh right now. Let's go into the Younger Dry since you brought it up here. Uh, unless you want to do Giants first, because I don't know in your timeline how it could all work together. But um, <laughs> I, I, I would say that um, we had Derek Olson from Megalithic Marvels on the show recently. And he, we cool. were talking about ancient technology and things like that. And w- even with like what we see in Egypt and these different locations throughout the world, I, I do, I do personally believe that there, like humans had, uh, had access to a very advanced technology that uh, we don't want to give them credit to because of the traditional, Hey, they were just hairy cavemen walking around, dragging their knuckles on the ground. Uh, but it, it, it's clear that at some point back then, when you really look into things, it seems like they had, some very strong technology and te- technology that maybe uh, we don't even have today. And and Derek th- floated this this idea out, and, and it kind of think it was in passing, but it really kind of struck me. It still hits me today, and I, I'm probably going to butcher how he said it, but uh, it seems to me and to him like their use for tech. They they he said they viewed technology different than what we view it today as. And and therefore their their uses of technology would have a different purpose and meaning than what we would have for today. So like if we had the technology that they had back then today, we might look to weaponize it more than utilize it for convenience. And so it, it's things like that that I find very interesting. That that when you start thinking about the the the, the history of humanity and the different technologies that we might have had throughout our human existence may not actually hold the same weight that we would have today because they actually viewed it differently than what we do today. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. That's definitely a a good point. Um, Yeah. I, um, let's see, how are we going to segue in here? Um, Just do it. Just like, like a bandaid, rip it off. Yeah. What the heck heck is younger Dryas? Right. What the heck is the Younger Dryas? So the Younger Dryas uh, is a a period um, in our geological history from uh, about 11,500 or so, 11,300 years ago, um, where there was this um, major change in the environment of the planet. Um, There was a mass die-off of... Gosh, dozens of megafauna species throughout North America. And it's not really, there's, uh, it's not really known exactly how, how it happened. There's a few theories. There's, um, a, like a, a disease killed them off, uh, is one of the theories. There's a theory that, uh, humans moving into North America hunted. Uh, animals off like you know the mammoth, the mastodon, that kind of thing, uh, and that's uh, that's what killed them off. But then the, there's also this black char layer that coincides 
uh, in the geological record around 11,500 years ago that is found on all of these different bones that are found, which has led to the impact hypothesis. So we all know that there's the the Cretaceous extinction event of dinosaurs, where people, uh, paleontologists, think that a six-mile-wide asteroid hit uh, the Yucatan, or what is now the Yucatan, off of the coast of Mexico and made the Chicxulub crater and just decimated almost everything on the planet, um, except for little little mammal rodents, which <laughs> survived, and now we're here. So um, the idea that... Um, is uh, supported by Randall Carlson, Graham Hancock, and and people like that um, believe that that a comet impacted the Earth back then. And if you also remember, that was back during the last ice age when glaciers were as far south as uh, you know the Great Lakes and, and beyond in North America, as well as the ice cap was covering a lot of uh, Asia and Europe as well. And so there's this event in the geological record that's called uh, Meltwater Pulse 1B, where there was a rapid rise in the sea level over just a, a couple of years where the glacial ice melted and anybody who was building anything on the coastlines around the world got flooded essentially and we're all familiar with the biblical flood myths and it's it's a very interesting piece of actual like archaeological um not archaeological but geological evidence that something happened that caused the sea level to rise significantly and obviously humans were around but according to our history we hadn't invented uh agriculture yet or we hadn't domesticated animals or built civilization uh however that all changed back when in like the 70s when a site in turkey along with several sister sites um called gobekli tepe was unearthed and this was a or is a megalithic uh site that has several of these um buildings, these underground structures, they were buried with all of these T-pillars and they have all these carvings and everything on it that, according to our history, shouldn't be there. Like, we shouldn't have been able to move megalithic rocks and that kind of thing um, back when these were built, which was around, was pre, uh, pre-Younger Dryas, I, I believe. Uh, but they've they've dated um, the layer that they're at right now to about nine thousand five hundred BC. So around eleven thousand five hundred years ago, when the Younger Dryas impact event, according to the theory, would have happened. And there's what's to say that those sites aren't even older than that? Which you know, to me, kind of indicates that along with theories of Atlantis and that kind of thing, that humans were doing some pretty wild stuff when we shouldn't have been. Like these people were not just cavemen uh, beating animals with clubs and that kind of thing. Sure, there were nomadic peoples still, but there was something technological, I think, going on. 
And, you know, when you look at uh, the, the Timaeus and Critias by Plato, he talks about, um, you know, when he's talking to Solon that he lived in like, what, 300 BC or so, 400 BC, that when he's talking about Atlantis in those stories, that they happened about 9,000 years before Solon's time, which lines up to about 11,500 years ago when all this stuff was going down. So it, it's really interesting to me um, that as far as lost civilizations go, that there, there, could be, uh, there could be some teeth to this theory that humans were doing something technological back then. And um, you know, one of the, the interesting uh, parts about Gobekli Tepe and Karahan Tepe and places like that is that um, some people theorize that uh, you know if they were from Atlantis, it could have been you know Atlanteans that survived uh, the the great cataclysm that destroyed them, and some of the survivors went on to kind of pass on their knowledge to people who are still uh, nomads and hunter gatherers to kind of re- restart civilization to some extent. Um, and whatever happened, though, probably didn't take for a while because uh, there's several thousand years in between, like Stonehenge and Gobekli Tepe, and also the pyramids and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's and and how it was all built is just like you know mind-boggling to me. <laughs> yeah. So it's like uh, they they're like, hey, we need to rebuild society. So all these people we've been avoiding, let's go show them how to build fire now. Like if <laughs> they've, they've been tortured enough. No, but it. Like so, you, you uh, looking into these topics and stuff like what we're talking about today, not broadly, but what we're talking about today, uh, the mud flood, Tartari, Younger Dryas. Uh, what rationality do you come to with this stuff? Like, because uh, some of it, surely, I mean, you have to at least give a little bit of credit to, uh, and, and just say maybe, you know. But if there is a maybe, like, just say that maybe is. You know, yeah, it ha- let's just say it happened, right? Like, that's the way it worked. Um, why would you theorize that there would be this this push to not let humans today know the true history? Like, what, why, why cover up a history like that? What, what would be the point of, like, why, why not just tell us that, hey, you know, like, there was this huge mud flood, it covered our buildings, and, you know, that's what it is. But, like, why do we need to cover that up? Right, right. Um, well, with the instance of, of Tartaria, which um, you know I, I subscribe much less to than than the theory of Atlantis, um, I, I would think that the the free energy aspect is is a big thing with that. Um, you know, the the fossil fuel industry, uh, the banking elite, and that kind of thing would probably uh, benefit to not have people know that there is a way to access uh, energy for free in a way that benefits all of humanity versus just a f- select few that are, you know, becoming billionaires and trillionaires over, <laughs> over the, uh, the decades and centuries, right? Um, and as far as something like, you know, Atlantis, um, older, older civilizations that were pre-flood, antediluvian type of thing, um, I think... A lot of that could be tied to um, 
how do you put it? Uh, like academia and a, a kind of um, a dogma that goes along with that. You know, the old heads that are in the profession have their their books and their stuff out, their dissertations that say this is how things went down, and anything that challenges this idea is wrong. Right? There's not really a lot of uh, entertaining of alternative ideas. And it's interesting with like Graham Hancock, who's a, a lot of you know people in academia and uh, stuff consider him like a crackpot, right? They don't really take his ideas seriously. But then there's evidence now, I think in Greenland, of an impact event that actually happened around the time of the Younger Dryas, which he's been theorizing this stuff since the 1990s. So we're going on 30 years, and now there's actually you know, evidence coming out that something happened that wiped out uh, the megafauna, caused the sea, sea level to rise, uh, wiped out the Clovis people that were in North America at the time. And yeah, it's, um, I, I think that, you know, higher ups in academia would potentially have their careers tarnished in some way, which I think is kind of silly. It's like, well, hey, yeah, too. you know, there's, there's this other whole chapter of human history that could be out there. Like, why aren't we looking at this under a serious light? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And it, 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 to me, it doesn't make sense in the sense that like you, all right, so these people, they wrote their dissertations, they wrote these, these papers, these peer reviewed papers on, on, on this stuff and anything that challenges that can't be challenged. Why? I mean, at what point in, at, at some point in your life, you didn't believe what you're saying is true now because you were studying, you were learning, and you came across this information. You came to this idea that you pushed forward and everybody accepted. And so that now we believe it. If there's more information out there that challenges your idea, that information gets us closer to truth. And you and 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 at one point in your life, you didn't believe this. Now you do. So why not just say, okay, well, we're now we're basically where we're at now is where I was five years ago or 50 years ago. And now we're we're transitioning with new information to even more enlightenment. I, I think it's it's incredibly selfish and um, self serving that academia goes this direction so many times with so many different topics and stuff. They're not in it for the truth. They're not in it for for any like even with science today and stuff. So like like I don't have a whole lot of respect for academia. Okay, so <laughs> like I, like I'm not I'm not saying I'm a genius and I know everything. I just don't like their attitude, so I don't like them. You know, so like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't get along with them very well. Uh, anybody who's a professor listens to my show, I'm sure I like you though. Who knows? Maybe I won't though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's, a, it's important to, to keep an open mind and, uh, you know, look at things critically and, and, and skeptically, of course, uh, but to an extent, you know, you don't want to just approach everything in the world with like, you know, my worldview is the worldview. Everything else is wrong. I think that's um, you're gonna you're doing a disservice to yourself and and to well, our society. Well, like what you <laughs> just said. I mean, like my worldview. Like, like so. I mean, literally, they they're saying that they are the arbiter of truth, and therefore their worldview is the worldview. And that there is no other worldview, and, and even their worldview, when they when they're crossed with information that challenges it, they willingly choose to accept their worldview over any other new information. I just think it's kind of silly, like like you know, it, 
I don't know, man. Like it, it's just this round and round and round and we go kind of circle and it, it, it gets me. Listen, man, you're getting me grumpy. I'm getting grumpy talking about these. <laughs> uh, it drives me nuts. Yeah, yeah. I suppose they say that history is is written by the victors, and you know how would our our world history look if uh, you know Hitler won World War Two, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, true. yeah, it's uh, it's all kind of uh, you know an interesting way to look at yeah. things. Yeah. So let, let me ask you uh, about this. Kind of, you touched on it just real briefly the the giants. Now, do the giants? Oh, yes. Have anything involving? Uh, younger Darius, uh, Tartaria, or or are they their own, uh, you know, thing, and they have nothing to do with these ancient structures <laughs> and cities? So yeah, so I did a two part uh, series on my current season of of the podcast, and um, I looked into a lot of different avenues of of uh, the, the theory about giants, and and some people theorize that the reason why um, the Beaux Arts style architecture. Um, that people claim to be Tartarian had these like gigantic doorways and and these huge cathedral ceilings was that because Tartarians, at least some of them, might have been uh, giants, people who were eight, nine, ten, or more feet tall. Um, you know, I'm not sure there's really any evidence to support that per se. Um, but in my journey of exploring the idea of giants, actually starts kind of with uh, Gobekli Tepe, and uh, that there are certain architectural elements like on the T pillars that you can kind of find this interesting trail that goes across Asia, like into India, Southeast Asia, into the Indonesian archipelago all the way to Easter Island that have this really interesting motif with the architecture where the, for instance, the, the T-pillars in Gobekli Tepe, and they have a relief carving of what's supposed to be a person. And they've got their hands resting down uh, around their groin area. And um, you can find this same design um, in Sumatra, in like the uh, South Pacific, you can also find it on the Moai statues on Easter Island. So there's an interesting connection. It's like were, were these people kind of migrating all the way to there? And then there's a lot of interesting connections between Easter Island and um, the uh, the people who were the uh, the owners of the 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 Paracas skulls, like elongated skulls, and legends of red-headed giants in South America, Mesoamerica, North America, uh, as well as like the Mound Builder civilization, where supposedly there were these uh, these giants skeletons that were found around all these mounds that are in the North American Midwest and all the way down the Mississippi Valley, and there's also legends out in the southwest of um, a tribe of red-headed cannibal giants that were uh, killing off and eating uh, Native American tribes there until they had decided to fight back. And then they basically chased them into a cave and, and 
starved him out and set fire to the cave and killed all the giants. Um, so it's it's interesting just kind of like following these breadcrumbs. It's like, okay, so were the the people that built Gobekli Tepe and all these other sites along this trail, like were they giants? Were they the were these these redheaded giant people? And if they were, who were they? Where did they come from? You know, uh, we we don't really know. There's some theories that talk about the uh, the Denisovan people, who are only just a, a recent discovery. Uh, they were found in Denisova Cave, which I think is um, it's in like southern Russia, kind of near the border of China. This other hominin species that were similar to like Neanderthals, um, but they I think they were closer more closely related to the Neanderthals than they were to Homo sapiens. But there was some interbreeding that happened. Um, but the bone fragments that have been found, I think there was like a tooth and some other bones that indicate that these people were massive. They might have been giants. I'm not entirely sure. There's, uh, there's other people who say like, oh no, they're, they were probably short like Neanderthal, but... Um, we just don't know the the full picture yet, but it is interesting to to kind of follow that trail and have these legends of 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 giants within North America and South America that kind of have this connection to the old world as well. And who were these people? You know, there's legends of giants in most cultures of the world. In Sumatra, there's legends of giants who live underground that were also cannibals that would come up to eat people and then they have this whole underground cave network throughout the islands in the area that they use to get around and they only come out at night so nobody really knows that they exist <laughs> Jeez. so yeah i mean all right on that note uh i, I mean i could ask you more about that but uh <laughs> what you you like I said in the beginning, I found you uh, with that Hollow Earth episode. I don't even remember listening to the whole thing. Um, do do you draw conclusions when it comes to Hollow Earth? Like what you just shared and stuff. Like, do you think there's legitimacy to the idea that the, there could be like this this Hollow Earth, almost like a civilization under the Earth kind of thing? So, um, like Hollow Earth with like a sun in the center, that kind of model. I I don't believe it. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> um, I think there could potentially be like large cavern systems where um, there could be something that has gone on. Maybe uh, a, a race of giants or some kind of uh, breakaway civilization could have potentially um, gone underground and, and kept developing their technology. Uh, there is like the theory that maybe the uh, the UFOs, the UAPs that we see, are part of this breakaway civilization, and they live under our underground and in our oceans and that kind of thing. So, you know, whether or not that's true, hard to say. I think it's a it's an interesting idea, but I'm not sure. Um, you know, if if we have a lot of evidence to back that up beyond hearsay. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. I, yeah. I wasn't sure it, like how you, uh, how you viewed the whole th hollow earth thing being that you dove into it. Uh, for me, like, and when I say me neither, when it came to the sun thing, like I want to, I want to, I do want to say that I don't know. 
I mean, like, like you're talking to somebody like I, I very much believe in alternate dimensions and could there be some kind of like alternate dimension transition that that's involved with the whole inner earth thing? I don't know. Uh, but more so to me, I'm like, yes, hollow earth is real because we have caves. We, we know that these caves go deep. Therefore, there is a certain amount of hollow to it. Uh, and could things be existing in there? Well, certainly. We know that bears and tiger, or not tigers, uh, uh, mountain lion, I'm thinking, uh, yeah. they, they go into caves they, they, and stuff like that. I mean, I always think about when I, when I was younger, I used to kind of like jump face first into caves. And, I, and now I'm like, freaking idiot, man. Like, you don't know what's in there. Uh, but like that said, uh, why not? these bigger cave systems. And I do believe that there are caves that we haven't been able to find yet. Like Tennessee has the most caves uh, than any other state in the, in, in the country. Like surely there's got to be caves that we haven't found yet here in Tennessee. And so, oh, yeah. and, and we just, the, not we, the, I think it was in China. They just found that gigantic cave that seemed like it have its own ecosystem inside. Because, yes. And, and, I, and I think that's a, a little stretch as far as like when the people say ecosystem, the pictures that I saw, it looked like Things grew in this giant cave because it was like this huge cave in the ground and the sun was shining through this giant hole in the ground kind of thing. It wasn't like it had its own, like, like maybe it did have its own system. I don't know. Like, I, like I'm just a stupid <laughs> podcaster. I don't freaking know. Uh, but like, like it's, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't like the land before time where you could like, it's like, oh, look at all the dinosaurs down here, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So... <laughs> Anyways, I, I find the Hollow Earth topic interesting. I haven't done a full episode on Hollow Earth in a long time. I don't know. Uh, maybe I should do something like that again in the future. But um, listen, Jeff, man, I appreciate you coming on and sharing this stuff. Uh, I, I, I look at you and what you're doing with your podcast, uh, and, and I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a medium uh, undervalued in the sense that like, I think that, that what you're doing with the research and then talking to people about it, the way you go about it, I've heard the show, the quality is good. The way you speak is good. Uh, you remind me of the Dan Carlin of strange podcasts. Uh, like, like the way you're, you're going, like, like if you said to me, Hey, I think I'm going to change my formatting and I think I'm going to maybe not come out with as many episodes, but when I come out, it'll be like an entire series and it's going to be like 12 hours. We're going to drop it in three hour segments. I'd be like, yeah, actually that would work for you because the way you go about things, it would be amazing. Um, no. and, and that's not for everybody. Like I could never do that. I, um, <laughs> but I'm just saying like, that's what, when I hear your show and stuff and when I look at it, it's kind of what it reminds me of is like, you're going to sit down you're going to learn about all the strange, weird stuff in the world. And it's, it's done in a way where it's, it's very, um, it's, it's responsible and it's just, it's fun. And so, um, I, I don't know. Well, thanks if, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if, if, if Dan Carlin is everybody's cup of tea, but, uh, he's done pretty well for himself over the years. That's what you remind me of. <laughs> Oh, thanks. <laughs> so with that said, tell the people where they can get themselves uh, some Strangeology podcasts and all that other good stuff. And tell, hey, I don't know if you've mentioned this in the beginning. Um, you mentioned the band. What band? Where can people listen to your music? Oh, man. <laughs> okay, so Strangeology. You can find me on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, all that. Uh, search for Strangeology Podcast. Uh, you can listen on Apple, um, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google, uh, pretty much anywhere. I also throw my episodes up on my YouTube channel, Strangeology Podcast. Again, I also do, uh, when I have the time available, I do have um, some 
videos as well, separate from the podcast, talking about uh, cryptids or uh, missing 411 type of stuff, um, creature encounters, that kind of thing. Um, hoping to do more with that as much as I can uh, with my busy schedule. But um, yeah, uh, I also have Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash strangeology. Um, I do offer a bunch of cool little uh, uh, benefits like exclusive merch, uh, discounts to my store, early access to episodes, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, also, uh, episode extensions, which are only available to members. Uh, so it's a fun time. We've got a good community growing there. Um, so look forward to having some of you hop aboard and uh music yes my band it's called doom service and it's not a doom band it's not a metal band it's kind of like a melodic punk band type of feel uh to it you can listen to that on uh bandcamp um doomservice.bandcamp.com we sing a lot of songs about scooby-doo and the x-files <laughs> oh, perfect half my audience would love that so yes <laughs> so, so we're, we're working on a new album but it's been tricky getting everyone together uh over the last couple of years but we're getting back into the groove <laughs> that's awesome yeah i mean that's partly i mean first of all i don't know how to play music but i imagine i wouldn't be a good band member i don't play <laughs> I don't play well with other people. And like, it's like <laughs> when you got like five guys and we're all trying to get the schedule together, at some point I'm just like, all right, you guys, I'm done. I'm out. I, yeah. I, I can't keep up with this, guys. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody, this is Jeff from Strangeology. Jeff, thanks for being on, man. Thanks for having me, Tony. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share the show. It's the best thing you can do to help the show grow. Share the show. It's a free thing for you to do. It costs you just a few seconds. Take the link. Text it to people. Share it on your social media. I don't care. Take screenshots of the player and put it on Instagram. Just share the show because that is how the show grows. Thank you very much for being here, everybody. And go ahead and check out Jeff's show, Strangeology Podcast, on every podcast playing app. Please go give him a five-star rating or review, then hit play because that's how we do things on The Confessionals. We show love before we even hit play because that is the best thing we can do to help support independent creators away from the machine, away from the influences of the evil dark shadows of the industry. We just hit the five-star rating or review and then we hit play. And so go ahead and do that for Strangeology Podcast. I promise you, you won't regret it. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Oh, and this outro song is actually Jeff's band. I hope you enjoy. Bye.